0: Welcome back to our series for 2023, The Life of Christ. As we walk through this year, we are focusing in on the events that took place in the life of Jesus Christ, His lifetime. But I don't want you to lose sight that this is one part of all of God's amazing plan for you and me. The entire Bible is one connected story. And this story invades every aspect of human culture end our lives today whether we believe in Jesus Christ and his claim of who he was and that he rose again or not we've been considering my wife and I a trip to Israel the holy land ourselves since before the pandemic we had actually a trip scheduled in in 2019 canceled due to the due to the pandemic in fact we were also supposed to be in South Africa to visit Debrella that au pair that we had here for about a year I was supposed to do her wedding She is now wed, and I think she has had her baby, or no, it's very near due, August, close enough for me, (laughs) very near due. So yeah, we missed that too. The pandemic messed up a lot of things. You know, at this point, I'm not sure that we're ever going to get to Israel. It's not like it's ever been a safe place to go, if you know what I mean, if you follow the news. I don't see it getting a whole lot better, but still, it would be nice. I heard of a man and his wife who went on vacation to the Holy Land. They took their mother-in-law along with them. And while there, the mother-in-law died of, of tragic circumstances. Now funerals are difficult in the most best of circumstances, but in another country. That just adds a whole another layer of complexity. The undertaker trying to be assist, of assistance to the family in their, in their time of grief, he made arrangements to allow his mother-in-law to be buried in the Holy Land. He then told the family that he could arrange for that, or he could arrange to have her shipped home, but the cost would be rather high, $5,000 or more. And, and that was just standard shipping. I don't think they had two-day prime on Amazon for that to get home from, from Israel. And he said, we could, however, bury her here for just $150. The choice seemed obvious from a financial standpoint. However, the man quickly elected to have his mother-in-law shipped home. The undertaker was pretty certain that this was the wife's request so that she would be able to to visit her mom's uh, grave from time to time. But he was perplexed as to why the man would want to spend so much money on his beloved mother-in-law when he could simply bury her there. And so he asked him why. The man became emotional as he considered his reply. He said, a man died here 2,000 years ago. He was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. I just can't take that chance. (laughs) No chance of mother-in-law coming back. And this story still invades every aspect of human culture today. Well, we want to remind you, if you missed a message, any message of this series, you want to listen again online, set up a podcast, share it with a friend, you can do so by going to ffcsermon or sermons.org. You can also go to www.ffcph.org, click on the live tab on YouTube or Facebook and watch a message again. Let's pray this morning, and we'll continue in this series. Father, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you that you are indeed a God who cares for us, a God who removes our sorrows, that we can trade all of these things in. Father, for your grace, for your mercy, for your peace. Be with us this morning as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's see how literarily astute we are today. Does anyone recognize the name Fern Arabelle? Okay. She's only an eight-year-old girl. However, she is quite famous. I bet if I put her picture up, you might be able to recognize who she is. How about now? Anyone recognize that, Jackie? Hmm? You recognize the picture. Okay, well, Fern, Arabelle, saves the most famous pig of all. There you go. From premature destruction. Fern hears that her father is going to kill the runt of a new litter of pigs that have just been born, and she persuades him to give her that smallest, that littlest of pigs to take care of, to clean up after, to love and to nurture. And as we all know, or we should know, she names him, anyone know? Wilbur, right. I wonder if a lot of Jewish families read this story to their children. I'm not sure this is Jewish children reading or not. When Wilbur becomes too large, Fern is forced to sell him to her uncle, Homer Zuckerman, whose barn is filled with animals who shun the newcomer. When Wilbur discovers that he will soon be slaughtered for Christmas dinner, he is horribly distraught. He sits in the corner of his barn crying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Charlotte, the hairy barn spider who lives in the rafters above his sty, decides to help him. With the assistance of a sneaky rat named Templeton and some of the other animals in the barn, she writes a message in her web, Some pig More strange messages appear in the web, sparking people from miles around to visit these divine manifestations and the pig that inspired them. He is taken to the county fair for all to see. Charlotte accompanies Wilbur to the county fair, where she spins her last note before she dies. Humble. Wilbur wins a special prize, and his survival is ensured. It's a great children's story. It's a great story to read as an adult if you haven't done it in a long time, or or read it to your kids or to your grandkids. Well, today we're going to be looking at another story about pigs. And uh, warning, it doesn't turn out so well for the pigs this time (laughs) in the story that we're going to look at, right? It's a story I'm calling Pork Over People, Pork Over People. It it is a story that you will find in all three of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, with Mark being perhaps the most detailed of the three. It is long, 20 verses, but let's read the text from Mark's Gospel before we go any further. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes, where Jesus got out of the boat a man. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones." They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Not exactly your typical day at the beach, (coughs) is it? I mean, I've been to Assateague Island down in Ocean City. (laughs) <laughs> where they let the horses run free, and they can be uh, pre- quite uh, precocious on their own. They'll come around if you're not careful, if you don't lock your food down, and they'll, they'll rummage you off of your own, your own towel so that they can eat your food. They can be a little obnoxious, but this, I mean, instead of umbrellas and lounge chairs and sandcastles, we have a cemetery, a violent man, the supernatural, outraged citizens, and some spicy pork. Now, I'm pretty flexible, especially about beaches, but I draw the line with wild pigs and naked crazy people running all over the place. Jesus' disciples, not only the crowds, but more specifically the 12 that he chose, have been following him around, trying to figure out exactly who this man is and what he is all about. And at this point in Jesus' ministry, he basically takes his followers from the classroom of learning into a practical life application situation. These followers of Jesus obey the twelve and they get into the boat. It had already been a pretty full day, what with all the teachings and healings and everything else that had been going on. And that was before they got into the boat to head across the lake five to six miles in the dark. With the dark came a violent storm suddenly developed, and the apostles figured this was the end, the disciples who were following Jesus. This is it. This is as far as we go on this journey. And so they woke Jesus up, who was sound asleep, in the middle of this storm. I'm a light sleeper. My wife, on the other hand, can sleep through anything. Before we were married, she lived on York Road, right across the street. Literally, she, her window was on the street. Across the street was a grocery store, five-alarm fire. She slept through the whole thing. She woke up in the morning and the grocery store was gone. She's like, what happened? Where did it go? Sound sleeper. Me, on the other hand, I wake up at the drop of a pin. So they woke Jesus up who was asleep. They didn't want him to miss out on any of the fun. But instead of joining in the panic, Jesus commanded the winds and the waves to stop, and they did. Who is this man? They said in amazement that even the winds and the waves obey him. They really hadn't yet grasped who Jesus fully was. Not only was he in control of the physical, healings, water into wine, other things, he had just demonstrated that he was in control of the natural as well. And now that morning has come, he is about to show his control over the supernatural. It was because they obeyed Jesus They endured a loud, mighty, exceedingly great mega storm, popular word these days. In life, we are never promised to have an easy trip, but we are promised to arrive where he directs. In fact, Jesus tells us to expect trouble if we are to follow him. We are definitely not in control, but Jesus is. During all the storms of life, it may get windy and scary, but if we trust and obey, we experience His perfect peace. Well, I want to share that, that with us last week. We need to have faith that the Lord will bring us safely to the destination that He has determined that we should go. Jesus will never leave us or forsake us, especially in the mega storms of life. This morning we're going to hear about Jesus healing a man from an affliction that still causes great controversy today. This man was possessed by many demons. It sort of reminds me of something out of the 70s show, Creature Features, right, or or, uh, the Twilight Zone. Well, morning has broken. The boat arrives at a Gentile territory, and it's a bacon breakfast for everyone. When we read this narrative, there are many questions we could start to think about. We might concentrate on a tormented naked man with super strength living in the tombs, or, or we might think of demons. Warren Wearsby said, This entire scene seems very unreal to us who live in a so called modern civilization. But it wouldn't be unreal in many missionary fields and for missionaries. In fact, some Bible teachers believe that demon possession is becoming an even more prevalent problem in today's modern society. The disciples were probably wondering why Jesus wanted to come into a Gentile at all, uh, area at all, let alone a Gentile area that was well-known for hog farming. Why did he want to go to pig town? But the main point of the narrative is not about the demons and their power. It is not even about unclean pigs. But rather, the main point of the passage is about the freeing, almighty power of Jesus. The identity and mission of Jesus, along with the way we respond to Jesus, is the main focus of, the passage, of this passage of Scripture. Now, there's a lot of controversy about where the narrative took place, but we don't need to get bogged down into that this morning. The city of Gadara and its surrounding area are located or referred to as the Gadarenes. It is located on the southeast side of the Sea of Galilee. By New Testament times, that area was home to Gentiles and they were known for raising pigs, which were unclean animals and illegal for the Jews to eat or even touch. They would become ceremonially unclean. Immediately after these storm-tossed disciples get out of the tiny fishing boat, they encounter two demon-possessed men. Even though Mark concentrates on the one demon-possessed man who wants to follow Jesus, we know from Matthew 8 that there were, in fact, two. Let's discuss some of the man's outward problems, which were really only symptoms. They weren't the real problem. Luke 8, 27 says, When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town for a long time. This man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. This poor man had been demon-possessed for a long time. He had been an upright member of society. He lived in town. Now he's running around naked, and he's living like a wild animal. He lived near decaying dead bodies in the tombs. This poor man was tormented and self-destructive, but this man also had supernatural strength as well. According to Mark 5, 3, this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. What a sad existence. This man probably started out as a normal member of society, but at some point he became demon-possessed and it became so bad that he no longer fit into society. As we look in the drug induced comas prevalent in our cities today, whether it be downtown Philly or San Fran or New York or or even here in Baltimore, you have to think is this caused by the destruction of the evil one who wants to have people in squalor and just chained up in addiction to drugs? Now you can even get your supplies from free vending machines that they're putting out on the streets. What a solution! Jesus' identity is no secret to spiritual beings. Here in verse 6, we have a strange occurrence. The demons, they see Jesus afar off, and they come to worship him. Now, we know that only God is to be worshipped. And if any man or even an angel accepts worship, they are blaspheming. But Jesus doesn't stop the demon from worshipping him. But why would a demon or a fallen angel who follows Satan in his rebellion against the Lord then come and worship him? Well, what do we know? We know demons, as well as Satan himself, are created servants of the Most High God, so they cannot help themselves but to fall at Jesus' feet and worship. Paul tells us in his letter to the Philippians, Jesus has been highly exalted, and to him has been given a name which is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God Almighty. So what we have here in Mark 5-7 is a demonic statement of faith. There are no atheists among demons because they know the absolute power and authority of Jesus Christ. James 2-19 says, you say you have faith. He's talking to us. He says, you believe that there is one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe that, and they tremble in terror. They know far more than you and I, the full power of who God is. The disciples may not have realized who Jesus was, but these demons understood who he was full well. Not only did these demons realize who Jesus was, they also knew their future destiny and prophecy of the end times. In Matthew's version, he says that the, the demons say, have you come here to torment us before the time? Matthew twenty five forty one. We read these words, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from you, cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was prepared originally for Satan and his demons. But if you desire to go there, Jesus will not force himself upon you or anyone. But there is a set time, make no mistake, for that great and awesome day of the Lord, and even the demons realize it. These demons implore Jesus not to torment them. And so, moving day, Jesus commands the demons to come out of the man. And then he demands to know their name. The demons simply answer that their name is Legion because they were many. A legion in the Roman army could be anywhere from four to 6,000 men or so. We don't know the exact number of demons here, but there was a lot of them. We do know that there were many demons possessing this man, and they gave him overwhelming power, destroying his life and property. The numbers uh, of demons that possessed him certainly were enough to fill 2,000 pigs. Simon once, uh, Someone once said, Satan will take a man or a pig, and if he gets a man, he will turn him into a pig. It kind of reminds me of, of looking at Pinocchio, if you remember that story, when The bad boys get invited to go to this island where all rules are thrown off. And eventually, as they continue down that road, they all turn into jackasses in the story. Jesus has a mission. And no one, including these demonic forces, can hinder God's plan. Jesus said of himself, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee and endured the storm, not only to teach his followers a great lesson on trust, But he also had a mission to save a desperate man's life. And it appears to be the only reason that he went there, because later that morning he sails right back to Capernaum. The demons don't want to be bound because they realize they need a host body because they are spiritual beings. Some demons are held until the last day, but others, for reasons unknown to us, are allowed to to roam free and to create destruction. Jude 6 tells us, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. But understand this, all principalities and powers are subject to the Lord whether they like it or not. Notice the demons say, please don't send us to that place of torment. Let us go into those swine. The, demon knew they needed, the demons knew they needed a body to dwell in, and Jesus gave them permission. The pigs, having more sense than people, didn't want the demons inside of them, and they immediately rushed down a steep hill and killed themselves. It's a three for three if you're Jewish. No demons, no pigs, clean up the pork, and God is in control. It's a win-win-win. That must have been quite a sight to see. It certainly got the attention of the pig herders. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They went out to see what was going on. There went all the other white meat, all of it, 2,000 pigs gone in a day. Mark tells us that they were on a nearby hill. That caught my attention when I read that. On a nearby hill, apparently they thought they had evil contained. You see, but you can't contain evil on your own. For good or for worse, they had a a status quo with evil, thinking they had it contained. You stay on your hillside, we'll stay on our hillside. You leave us alone, we'll leave you alone. Or so they thought. They already knew that they couldn't physically contain him. He broke chains with supernatural power. They had grown used to this evil being around. At least in the case of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, we read that his soul was troubled on a daily basis. But not here. The last thing they wanted was someone, anyone, coming and poking the beast, especially a higher power. Who could do that? Here comes Jesus. Jesus was a higher power, even the demons recognized, even if the people didn't want to admit it. But wait, that that might cost me. What is more important in your life? People or pork. Pork or people. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Later in Mark, we read these words, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man gain in exchange for his soul? The Lord, in an act of mercy and grace, freed this man by casting demons out of him and sending them into a nearby herd of pigs. This miserable old man was healed. He was set free, clothed and in his right mind. But the people of Gadara are mad and want Jesus out of their lives. I think we see three kinds of people in this story. There are those who run from him. There are those who will tell him to go away. There are those who will embrace him. Those who Jesus heals, who then go out and join in the mission of the gospel by telling others about Jesus. Let's take a closer look. There are those who run from him. Those tending the pigs, when they saw the miracle, they didn't stick around to ask Jesus what had just happened. They ran in fear. Sadly, in this life, there are those who will run in fear from Christ. They have this picture of God as as a powerful, vengeful God, and they will run from Him. Some great catastrophe comes into their lives, and instead of facing and turning to God, they run from Him, blaming Him instead. Two, there are those who, who, on meeting Christ, tell Him to go away. The local townspeople, when they saw the miracle of the the, uh, demoniac healed, begged Jesus to go away. I find that surprising because my natural reaction would have been to try to figure out what had just happened. How did he do that? Contrast that with the story in John 4 of the Samaritan woman who came to Jesus. Jesus met a woman at the well of Sychar and he proceeded to speak to her about many things. However, when he told her that she had had five husbands and that the man she was currently shacking up with was not her husband, she suddenly realized that Jesus was the Messiah. When she went and told the townsfolks, they came to Jesus and listened. And finally, number three, there are those who embrace him. Those who Jesus heals and who go out and join in the mission of the gospel by telling others about Jesus. The demoniac met Christ and Christ healed him. And we read how he sat at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. But the demoniac didn't stop there. He wanted to be with Jesus all the time. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Notice response. He wanted to be with Jesus. But being with Jesus involves getting involved with Jesus' mission. This man became the first Gentile missionary, if you will. His reaction to his healing was to go and tell people what God had done for him in his own community. And perhaps that is the real lesson from this story. Jesus calls us to share what he has done for us in our lives, in the community in which we live. It may not be unshackled, but if it's real, it's powerful because it's the work that God has done in your life. We are not called to have all the answers. We are simply called to go and make disciples. Like the man born blind to simply stand up and say, all I know is I was blind and now I see. Remember, these people made a living from raising pigs which were unclean and illegal for for Jews to eat or touch. These people are mad and scared to see that this demon-possessed man was healed and their swine have all been killed. Money and profit were more important to them than saving a soul and having the Son of God in their midst. Greed was perhaps these people's God, so they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. A changed life scared these townspeople because it made them face the reality that there is a God and that they have to make a decision about what to do with that information. A changed life scares the world today because it proves that Jesus is real and it demands a personal decision be made with that information. And notice, the whole city asked Jesus to leave. They have witnessed the grace and love of God. But their agenda and wealth was more important than seeing people set free. Their bacon was more important than Jesus setting someone free. Pork over people. Worship team, you begin to make your way back up. The man who was healed, now out of a grateful response, wants to be next to Jesus and leave with him. But Jesus has a purpose for him and wanted this man to stay in his own hometown and to proclaim the gospel to those close to him. He goes all over the whole Decapolis. The Decapolis was a grouping of ten cities. He goes on a ten-city tour, sharing his testimony to anyone who would listen. That's all God asks of us. Share our story, what he has done for us. How do we overcome the power of the enemy? John tells us in Revelation they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Luke tells us in Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to finish with an application and a story. We'll close with a song To those who believe already, You may have some hidden evil in your life, some addiction, some habit that you can't shake. You may think you have it under control. You may think you have it quarantined on a far hill over there somewhere in your life. But the enemy goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. On your own, you can't bind that evil. Just like the town folks couldn't bind this man. Maybe you've become used to it, living with it. Maybe you think you can hold the status quo. You got it under control. But if you want to be free of it, then it's good news because you have a higher power, a higher power that even the enemy knows about and fears. Peter tells us in his second letter, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. you got the power. you just got to tap into that. For those who don't know Jesus, it's decision day for you. Are you among those who run from Him, those who tell Him to go away, Or those who embrace him. I trust it is the latter. Maybe you've never really thought about it. Then consider these words. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Entering into new life. Having a power source that can get you through everything is as simple as saying, Lord, I need that. I know I've messed up. I confess I can't contain any of these things in my life. My sin has been my very own evil. Take it from me. Cleanse me. Give me a new beginning. I want to know the Jesus who gives me power to live life. And it's as simple as saying those things. And he'll come in and change your life forever. You'll be on your own 10-city world tour telling about what God has done in your life. Faith Fellowship, know that God is for you, not against you. Have a good day in Jesus. We're going to end with a song.